What's up, everybody? It's Tommy Runs, and this is the Running Sleep Show. Um, today's cool because we have a doctor. We had a doctor before that was a cardiologist, a vegan cardiologist at that. Um, but today we have a doctor a, uh, in, in physical therapy, in the physical therapy realm. I'm not sure if it's the exact title. I should know this. But uh, we have David Tomsich, um, who is the director at the uh, Henry Ford Pistons Performance Center here in Detroit, Michigan. Um, he's on a couple of different boards. He's been doing physical therapy for like 20 plus to almost 30 years of his life. Uh, so the man knows something about the human body and performance. Uh, so we get into talking about gates and injuries and people ask some really good questions about their own injuries. And he kind of helped out with those. Um, it was just really interesting. Like, and I, I really appreciated his him being here with us. So um, check out the episode. Um, if you need to get in touch with him, you can always go to my Instagram and that's at chip time running. Uh, that's at C-H-I-P-T-I-M-E running. I'm not going to spell that. Uh, so at Chip Time Running um, and check it out. It's a really good episode. Dude knows what he's talking about. Let's get into it. Let me stop talking. You heard enough of me. What is up, people? This is Thomas Bailey. Tommy at Tommy Runs. I hate when I do that the second time. This is Tommy Runs and this is the Run, Eat, Sleep show. This is a show where we talk about running eating, sleeping. And by that, I do mean running smart, eating healthy, and recovering. And today is Friday. In perfect timing, you jumped on. Uh, this is Dr. Tom- David Tomsich. We're going we're gonna to be talking about recovering today. Um, unfortunately, I don't think you're a sleep specialist, but if you know anything about sleep, you can jump in there too. Um, uh-oh. So uh, basically, Dave, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you, We worked together recently, but can you just introduce yourself to everybody that's watching? Um, and I'm gonna let you have the floor now. So thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Uh, so my name is David Tomsich. I'm the director of sports rehab for the Henry Ford Center for Athletic Medicine, uh, Pistons Performance Center, and uh, I also teach at uh, Oakland and Wayne State University, teaching their biomechanics coursework, pathokinesiology for Oakland and Wayne State, and. Uh, yeah, so thanks for having me. Oh, no, no problem at all, man. So, like, so let's just, I mean, we have some time. Um, thank you for joining, though. But uh, So, I guess, how did you uh, How did you even get into all this? Like, how long have you been doing it, um, working with athletes? So, uh, a long time ago, I uh, when I went to grad school, I got introduced to the kind of biomechanics field mm-hmm. and kind of really honed in on gait and understanding kind of human movement from that perspective. And then that branched into uh, running analysis. And I've been doing kind of gait and running analysis now since probably the late 90s. Okay. So, and I mean, uh, most people on the call, I mean, on this watching this video will know about you know what gate is but if you could just give us like the the fancy way or the how do you guys describe gate yeah it's basically uh the description of how people walk mm-hmm. how people how people run uh and with any other type of athletic movement how people move and so we can kind of describe how you know the different joints move in terms of the, kind of the angles uh, of, of a movement flow and we could talk about the forces, how hard someone hits the ground, how much their their body bounces up and down mm-hmm. when they run or when they walk are some things that we look at. I mean, so there's so many runners, like 
in the world, professional all the way down to, you know, I just started yesterday, um, that have so many different, like, I guess, gates and because a gate to me, you know, it's just every, it's the whole movement of the body, right? So there's so many different people out here with widely varying forms, you know? Um, does, is there one that like, that is the way to go or is this, like, how, how does that work? I mean, just to avoid injury and things like that. Is there one perfect gate? There's, uh, I guess what people consider a best gate, mm-hmm. but everyone has their own individual gate. And generally the belief is, is that most people pick and move the way they move the best. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one has to kind of be a little careful about trying to tinker with someone's gait too much. Mm-hmm. People tend to pick their most efficient gait mm-hmm. generally. Yeah. There's little subtle things you can do to kind of tweak things. Uh, but generally people move the way they move and you have to be careful about making too big of a change. So, so sometimes I'll, I'll, see, I'll see runners who are injured who have heard that a heel strike is bad, mm. they'll try to go to a four-foot strike, and they'll end up with a different injury. Mm. And so, you know, uh, research has shown that a heel strike can put more stress on someone's knee, for example. And going to a four-foot strike will reduce the stress to the knee. And so that's a good thing for the knee. Yeah. However, that stress is sent to a different location. And if that location's not ready for that new stress, yeah. they'll get a different type of injury. Right, right. Yeah, okay. So, I, yeah, I actually, um, someone way back, like when I first started, you know, really getting into this, was like, oh, man, your form is so great. You know, what should I do? So I told them, like, hey, you should run, you know, oh, it looks like you're a heel striker. I mean, I, I, had, I, I was not qualified at all at the time to tell anybody anything, but I did, you know. Um, and the next thing I know, they're like, oh, man, I think I got, like, shin splints or, like, my calves are, like, blowing up or something like that because – they took me very literal and ended up like running on their like tiptoes pretty much. Um, right. Which was way like more exaggerated than I probably thought that they were going to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so sometimes when people go to a four foot strike, there's a belief that their heel should not touch the ground. So after their he- four foot strikes, their heel should actually drop toward the ground and mm-hmm. then it lifts again. But some people, when they first convert to a four foot strike, they never lower their heel and yeah. they stay at the balls of their feet too much. Yeah, yeah. Like it's even in like in slow motion, I've seen my mine and some other people's that I, you know, that like professionals, it looks like, you know, to the naked eye, it looks like their heels are never touching, but, you know, like they're, they're landing and then they flatten out, you know, like their heels actually do touch the ground, but it's just not in the fashion or the way that like a heel striker does. Right. Um, and I've, so have you heard of the book um, Born to Run? Yes. It yeah. was a great yeah, yeah. So it was a, it's a great read. Like, if that story yeah. is real, like, I wish <laughs> I wish I was there because that sounds like an amazing race. So if you haven't read the book or li- listened to, because it's a good audio book too. If you're out there and you have and you need want a good running book to listen to, Born to Run is a great book. R- really great story. Uh, it's supposed to be true uh, and it's true. Real people and all that stuff. But I, from that book, I kind of took away a few different things because I think it kind of fit to how I already ran a bit. Um, but I had a question for you about, you know, if, if someone, do you believe that if someone were to take their shoes off and run, maybe not on the concrete, but like a, um, not a, uh, maybe a more of an uncomfortable surface, do you think that they would fix some of the things that and it would get kind of closer to their natural gait possibly because of the pain that they receive if they were to heel strike so much? 
So I guess this would be my slant on it. Most of the people I see have an injury in one, one limb. It's right or left. Mm-hmm. It's, there are some people that it's on both sides. But most people, the injury is on one side. Mm-hmm. And if that person tends to be a heel striker, both sides are heel striking. Yeah. Both sides have the same cadence. Yeah. And so can you do some things with their form to lower the stress to their limb? You can. Yeah. But in most cases, I think people tend to get hurt from kind of two, maybe three areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they when they start running or in the training, they make a change that's too much, too fast, too soon. Yeah. And their body can't adapt to that new load, and it starts breaking down. Yeah. There's a group of people who have had prior injuries, whether that's a prior running injury or, or a non-related injury. Yeah. And even though their pain may have dissipated, may have gone away, their problem to them may have resolved, yeah. they still might be moving differently despite the pain going away. And the way they're moving now still related to their old injury will now contribute to them developing a new injury, mm-hmm. which is probably the number one risk factor for a runner who has an injury. Which is developing a different one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's related to the prior one. Okay. All right. And then some people, you know, it's, you know, uh, running is stressful. It's a demand on the body. And do they have the proper mobility that is that the, the running demands? And do they have the proper strength and stability? And so some people break down. And sometimes one side's weaker than the other. That's just how their body is when mm-hmm. they start running. You know, uh, things like how people sit, what you know, what they do during the day influences all that, mm-hmm. and that has an uh, impact in terms of how they move. Yeah, and then that after they develop a running-related injury. So and so for this, I'm now I'm very interested about this like second injury thing. I mean, what 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 can someone do um, that hasn't had an injury uh, or coming back? What can they do to pro- like to properly? I mean, you can't. You can try to avoid things, but like, what's the best thing they can do to, to figure out how to maybe not run into that second one, from the first one. The best thing that they could do would be to have someone uh, take a look at how they move, mm-hmm. uh, kind of do a movement screen on them, look at how they run, and uh, from from that combination, try to figure out do they have any kind of mobility, strength, stability issues, or form issues that may be contributing with. <clears throat> that could potentially develop into another injury. So right. it's, I'll give you an example. It is so common for me of the runners that I've examined that they maybe have pain on their right side, mm-hmm. but they've had a prior injury on the other side, the left side. Mm-hmm. And that influences how they load or absorb on that left side and then how they propel themselves forward and can completely change then how the other uninvolved leg lands. Right. And most most running running related injuries occur during kind of the absorption phase. Yeah. Uh, and if what's the, what's the, the what's the stop you? What's the absor- absorption phase? It's kind of just after initial contact, as your body and you know it hits the ground and it kind of lowers itself, where you know kind of like your knee, ankle, and hip all kind of bend. Mm-hmm. You move toward the ground. It's it's kind of that phase. So it's right. kind of the, the 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 highest point where your body's at its lowest point. Yeah. So, so um, I mean, it's because I've I've seen different videos of you know myself and other runners, um, and it seems like uh, it, it, is there if that that shift from like when you initially land and you plant your foot, that moment of like that that variation of how much your body goes down and up 
is that also related to like the you know that does that increase your your chances for injury if you have more movement there like as if you yes yeah so if you absorb too much if you collapse too much after initial contact you know if your knee bends more than let's say 40 degrees that's kind of the average peak knee angle of a bend yeah if something goes to 50 degrees and they and their first contact position let's say is a near knee straight position it's almost zero that means that knee is going through 50 degrees of a bending or absorption or collapsing motion Mm -hmm. and that means the knee will become the primary area of the limb to absorb the impact of Mm. the ground yeah and knees will break down from that bones will break down from that okay you get a stretch yeah so then okay so then you so the way some ways that people can can try to avoid something like that would be to to do what like i mean because if you the more you run, the stronger you get, obviously, because I've seen people start running in their forms, like just watching them over time be consistent, you know, getting out there after it. They slowly change, and next thing you know, they're just they're running lighter and all that stuff. Um, but but then some people hit injuries before they get a chance to, you know, morph into this better athlete. So, like, what are some right. things that people can do, you know, just um, – to help them, you know, avoid something like that because running is, I mean, it's great, you know, and it sucks sometimes, but it is really good for, you know, all these other reasons. Um, how can we help people get past those points where they're just like saying, forget this running isn't, my body isn't for this, you know? Yeah. So a few things, uh, a runner should prep a little better before they run. That means they need to dynamically move and prepare their, all the different parts of their body for, for the load they're about to go through. So doing some dynamic mobility is very, very important. One, one of the tricky things, you know, with most of us who run, you know, I get home from work, I did today, that's why I have a hat on. And, uh, uh, you know, I have a finite window of time to go do my run. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's, you know, the, I would prefer if I didn't do my prep because sometimes I don't have the time yeah. or they really, to be, to be honest with you, the interest to do the prep. Mm-hmm. The prep is boring. I want to get out there and run, you know, experience the experience the day, the weather. Yeah, I feel like I'm accomplishing something, and uh, so. Uh, but the key is that people need to prep first. They need to prepare for that activity. You know, it, you know. I work at the Detroit Pistons Center, right? So it's not like the basketball players show up on the court and they just start playing basketball. Yeah. Yeah. They go through their hour-long, 45-minute prep work. There's prep done even before they get on the court, and they prep when they get on the court. And runners, uh, most runners could do a little bit better job of doing that. Mm. Then they, you know, running is stressful. It's a demand on the body, and there there should be some kind of weekly one to two day, you know, it depends on the mileage someone does. depends what where they are in their training phase. Yeah. But there needs to be some kind of stuff to maintain strength, because even though running will help kind of build you up and make you a better runner, mm-hmm. it actually will kind of break your body down. And so it's important that you prepare, you do appropriate recovery uh, after your run, and you kind of set up, you know, you set up an easy run. So sometimes when I run, I really don't have an interest in doing a recovery run. I want every one of my runs to be a good run right. where I feel like I accomplished something. Yeah. And that is actually not a good strategy to do. Uh, and then you kind of have a, you need to do some strength that kind of targets that runner's weak areas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about that everyone needs to do the same thing. It's about 
trying to find what that individual needs to do because we're all built differently. We all move differently. And if we can kind of address or attack some, attack some of our kind of weak areas, that helps us to, to maintain and, and be a healthy runner. Yeah, I, th- I think that like one of the things I took away from that, I mean, because so many of us uh, runners, especially if we've been running for a little while or we're at a point in our running journey where it's, re- it's fairly easy to go out and run a few miles, um, have a habit of just like um, kind of generalizing like how, you know, how we should all go about running, you know, and I like the fact that, I mean, everybody has their different weaknesses and different things that they can work on and to suggest someone skip those steps to you know just because their body shape is like that looks like they should be able to run faster or something we just we we kind of push them along and then next thing you know like either they they get you know kind of demoralized because they're just feeling like crap after every run or they actually get injured and then it just has them kind of walk away from the sport or at least your running circle you know so um and i've been i've definitely been uh guilty of that before in the past as well so uh, this is I'm learning from you as well right now, but like so those those that prehab like as people I've heard people always say prehab over rehab, like and you said dynamic. So are we talking about in in no normal static stretching before a run, um, no. or are we just doing just dynamic stuff? Uh, yeah, the the main focus should be dynamic before yeah. someone runs the static stuff, which tends to help with improving mobility better Mm -hmm. you know trying to change mobility that should come at at different times after the run different days where you don't run where you kind of have some focus on trying to change someone's mobility you know a lot of runners a lot of runners you know a lot of jobs nowadays people are sitting they're sitting at a desk they're sitting at a computer they're not moving if they have a standing desk that's great but they're standing they're not really moving right and uh, people get stiff and then as we get older we get stiffer, especially in the trunk and especially in the hips. And those are two critical areas for running in terms of power and performance, as well as staying healthy. So people, it would, runners will do better if they do a little better dynamic prep before they run. So, I mean, and is there like, I mean, I don't want you to get up or anything like that, but are there some ones that people can, you can name off, the, I guess, the general names of them? Um, to kind of help us maybe do some research on what we could be doing before a run? Yeah, so attacking your hip flexors is critical because getting, you know, getting that leg to move behind your body properly to get a good follow-through, to get a good propulsion, mm-hmm. demands hip extension, demands mobility of your quads, your iliopsoas, those types of muscles. Uh, hamstring mobility is, is important uh, for mechanics in, in your spine and your knee. Uh, Calf mobility, the ability of your ankle to kind of bend once you hit the ground is very important. And so, like, you know, the number one, the the top five injuries generally for runners are three of them involve the knee, one involves stress fractures, and one involves the foot, like a plantar fascia problem. And so the knee tends to get beat up. And there there are some, you know, the way someone trains can affect that. The form can affect that, you know, landing on the heel, landing, yeah. foot, uh, foot striking with your knee too straight, having your body actually too vertical. Those are some factors can, that can impact and load the knee more. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, making sure the glutes are strong, making sure the hips can move right, making sure the ankle can bend, all impact that knee and reduce the stress to the knee. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, because um, that, that was my next question. That was going to be, uh, was what are some of the major, not major, but the, the most um, frequent injuries you see other than like a knee injury? Um, like where, where are the stress fractures that you see? And if you point mine out, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> The, the number one spot is the tibia, your shin bone. Okay, That's all right. Well, you just you went right for yep. it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yep. Thank most, you so That's much. the most common one we see. It's the most common one found. And then it, then yeah. it tends to involve the metatarsals, the bones in your foot. Okay. Uh, number two and number three, probably most common, depending on the foot type. Okay. Um, and so, so okay, let's just, talk about, let's just talk about mine, right? So I, it like came out of no. Well, it didn't come out of nowhere. It lasted for like maybe a month or so. When should people come? When should people you know cut it out? Like when should people stop? Like what what type of pain level are we talking about? Because um, a lot of us are like you know marathon training or half marathon training, and for twelve weeks, I mean, somewhere in there, you're gonna feel some discomfort. And if you stop every time you do, then there is no training plan. You know, like what are we? Yep. What are we looking for here? Because Mine was just, I, I felt like it was just some, one of those things. And then one day it was like, it's oh, it's not one of those. It's one of these. So so it would be really when it changes from it, this is kind of a soreness thing to one day I get this intense pain. Maybe it's sharp. Maybe it completely affects the way you move. Maybe it's a type of a pain where, okay, I have to actually stop running now. Maybe it's a pain that's still sharp, that makes someone limp, that lingers well after their run. Okay into the next day the day after and then they try to run again and the, the pain gets intense again that's when you want to start paying attention to things okay well this one's um yeah i didn't know this one I, uh, this is one of my friends here he said dealing with that now had a burning sensation in my ankle um what uh what's what do you, what do you what does that sound like a burning sensation in the ankle so burning can sometimes be, so I don't know if he can tell you what part of the ankle, that'll give me a clue on some things, but a burning sensation can sometimes be nerve related, mm. but it, it might not be. So it just, it just depends on the use of his word burning. Burning can be a nerve related pain. If it's in the, if it's in the calf, if it's in the thigh, I would start to get concerned that maybe he's getting a kind of a low back issue or radiculopathy mm. where he's getting pain going into his leg. Um, so it kind of depends where the pain is. That, that can kind of give you a clue of what structure might be irritated. You okay. know, obviously for an ankle, an Achilles problem would be common. Okay. Yeah. Right? A tendonitis or a tendinosis. Sometimes that can be interpreted by someone as being burning. Sometimes it can be sharp pain. Sometimes it can just feel like your Achilles is tight. Mm. So depending on how irritated it is, yeah. you can get a different sensation from that. Yeah, I mean, so you can't, you said Achilles a couple of times, and in right in the in like the peak part of like my <laughs> my training, um, uh, la I think one of the last training blocks I did, like every time I wake up in the morning, like it, the my heel would hurt. Like I couldn't even like I'd have to like wobble to the you know, to the bathroom because like the, the right at the back part of your hip, my heel was just so tight. Like, is that the Achilles thing? That can be Achilles. Sometimes it can be a stress fracture. So, you know, we would know in terms of when we examine you, we can kind of figure out the difference from one to the other. Yeah. Uh, you know, with any runner, uh, especially runners that do a lot of mileage, uh, a clinician always has and have to have, uh, has to have in the back of their mind that there's the potential they have a stress fracture. And if you, if you push on the bone and the bone is really tender, mm -hmm. 
there's the potential there's a stress fracture. Mm-hmm. If the tenderness is in the muscle around a tendon, well, that's a different type of injury. Yeah. Um, and so, so there's things like that that can get kind of give us a clue. You know, there's a certain there's a test we do where we just kind of grab the heel and we squeeze it. Mm. And when someone has a stress fracture, the, the, you, their eyes will light up, and you can tell that's not a tendonitis. Yeah. I um, what's it, what's your the one of the guys <laughs> one of the guys I went to go see at the Henry Ford uh, in Novi. Um, I can't, last name like yeah yeah. So yeah, he, yeah. yeah, he went to go and I, I showed him this, it was there at the stress fracture and he, um, he's like, oh, where is it? So I showed him or whatever and he had, he's like, okay, right here, right here. All of a sudden he just squeezes like, no, like, and it was perfect on point and probably almost sent me in a shot. So I, I'm sure that I wouldn't like your test about my heel. Um, but yeah, right. yeah. I, yeah, I think it, I think it actually ended up being more of like a, 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 a tendon thing because I started to roll out my calves a little more and pay more attention to that part. And as soon as like the calves kind of released or let go, then that pain kind of eased away. Um, but I yeah. think he said uh, the pain is not the Achilles, but it's under the ankle bone on the outside. So, okay, so it might be around his heel maybe? Yeah, like probably, like I'm thinking like right around like under the outside of that ankle bone, maybe. Yeah, on yeah. The side uh, um, so sometimes if a runner has pain there, that means when they land or when they strike and then when they absorb, they might keep a little too much of their body weight on the outside of their mm. foot. Yeah, yeah. And the area will get overloaded and can kind of break down. So sometimes that can be like a, uh, what we call peroneal tendon, tendonitis. Mm. Uh, tendon on the outside of the ankle starts getting irritated. Yep. Sometimes it can keep the bones getting irritated. So something, so something like that. Maybe he should just take a few days off to let the thing do it. You know. Let, yes. Let it, okay. Yeah. So yep. te- uh, Ryan, take some days off, bro. Um, and uh, so, like, jumping kind of back into uh, some of the questions that we had here. Um, you know what? So let's let's talk about your your, your place down there because I went to go visit. I put up a video uh, just a little bit ago um, about your your. It's not even a shop. It's like a it's a facility. You know, obviously. Um, what about what, just talk to talk to us about what what goes on in there? Because I saw a bunch of people there, and obviously you work with the Pistons too, players. Um, just tell us what what somebody would would see if they come down there to check you guys out. So we're a sports medicine physical therapy facility. We're a sports medicine performance facility. So we see uh, athletes who are injured. We see athletes who just want to perform better. Uh, And we see basically any athlete of any sport and any athlete of any age. And so I could see a 70-year-old runner. Mm -hmm. I could see an 18-year-old basketball player who dislocated his shoulder. Mm -hmm. So we see any kind of athletic injury. Uh, and, and then we have a performance team to work on getting people to, to, to perform better at their sport or their activity. Mm-hmm. And then we are very unique in that we have two, uh, movement labs, two biomechanics labs that ha- each lab has, uh, eight high speed digital cameras. In one lab, we have four force plates embedded in the floor. That's not the lab you saw. Mm-hmm. And then we have the running lab where we have the eight high-speed cameras, 3D. We can do 3D imaging. And then we have a treadmill that's that's instrumented and is capable of measuring kind of how hard someone hits, uh, various gait variables like stride length, step length, step time, cadence, and uh, and and where through their feet they put pressure. And so with the gentleman who just asked the question about that he has pain on the outside of his ankle. Yeah, you'd see that, Yeah, right? there, there's a certain movement pattern that causes the pain to be on the outside of the ankle. 
in 90% of the cases, someone is putting too much weight through the outside of their foot. That may be because of something that's happening within their foot. Sometimes it has to do with the knee on the same side. If there's a knee issue, the mm-hmm. tendency is to get a little more on the outside of the foot because the knee moves differently. Mm-hmm. It can be caused by the hip, the spine, or the other leg. And so with the 3D analysis, with our, with our movement exam that we took you through, yeah. we can kind of look for the impairments that we think are present, like impairments in mobility, strength, stability, yeah. alignment. And we can kind of take that, relate that to the imaging data we get, relate that to the uh, the force data we get, and to try to figure out, like a puzzle, why that athlete is hurt and why they have that problem. Because what you can't do, and there's a, there's a tendency in the medical field to do this too much, everyone who has pain on the outside of the ankle should not receive the same treatment. Right. People have different reasons why they have the pain there, and it's up to us to try to figure out why that person has the pain there and to give them a very individualized, specific program to address it. Because I've been in PT a long time, and giving everyone who has the same problem the same set of things to do does not work. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, do, I like that approach, though. I mean, because if you go to, like, a different, like, just your, not to, you know, rag on any normal doctors, but, you know, if you go to the normal doctor, um, then they'll just tell you, oh, put this on or take this, and you should be fine. Or, you know, do it right. for six weeks, and you're done. And but then right. you, but then people people get back out on the road and then they have some in they like you said they may have the same issue because they never really solved the the, the root of the, right. the root cause or they have another issue because now they're compensating for that and uh, if I could talk briefly about what we did uh, the the assessment that you all did and I can't wait to get the results back um, but just hearing. I mean, I know you just said everything, you know, like about the pressure and and how much weight is distributed on each side and all that stuff. But it really is like it's like deeper than that. Like looking at the numbers and the way that you said that, you know, my left stride is like point something something shorter than the than the than the right, and then like the weight distribution was fairly even, but it was just a just a, it was more weight on the right side and i was actually like it was stuff that i i probably would, could have imagined maybe but seeing the actual numbers really tells a story because you know for me i obviously don't my left stride probably is shorter because i'm quick to get down on it to get off of it just to make sure it's still not it's not hurt anymore you know and even if i'm not exactly even if i'm not limping it just means i'm quicker to quicker to turn over um, and then eventually, yes. you know, my right side could, you know, whatever. So I'm glad that I got it done yes. and I can't wait to see yeah. it. And I, in, in the, that treadmill was, is pretty amazing. <laughs> um, it is. yeah, yes. I mean, I was thinking about buying one for my house, but you know, <laughs> I'm about, you know, $58,000 short or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty sweet treadmill. It's, it's great to get there. The, we're able to get the information that from, from that travel within within a minute, uh, which is wonderful. And by the way, we do have uh, so we have finished your report. I just need to kind of look through it, put everything together, and we're done. So right. I'll have that done this weekend. All right, man. Well, I'm really excited. To, I'm really excited to see it. But so someone else here has a question. Um, so it's the back of my knee tends to bother me pretty bad after I run further than a 5K. Could that be how my foot is landing or something else? Chances are it's something else because my guess would be both feet are probably landing in a similar way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes with the pain in the back of the knee, sometimes something in the joint can be kind of irritated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a few tissues that can kind of cause pain in the back of the knee. Mm -hmm. And so for some reason, when they're running, that knee is getting loaded more than normal. Mm. And uh, it's just trying to figure out why. Uh, And I can't really guess the why unless I see them, see them move. Yeah. Okay. And um, so also like, let's just talk about, I mean, how much do, how much does equipment come into play, you know, in your line? Like, is it, can shoes, like, how much do shoes play a part in all this stuff? I mean, because people can just... play a little bit of a role. Uh, my yeah. general opinion on footwear is that it gets too much credit and too much blame. Mm. The problem usually lies within the runner. Yeah. And it usually lies within how they move, and they're moving differently. They're moving asymmetrically because of a mobility, strength, balance issue. All yeah. right? Sometimes it's their form. Sometimes it's how they train. Every runner is different, and every runner, their, their injury they have is there's a certain you know kind of percentage of, of all those areas. How they train, their alignment, their strength, their balance, and their form, yeah. and their footwear. Okay. Now, footwear, my, my tendency, my, my, where I kind of lie on footwear is I think more people should be in a more neutral shoe. The majority of people should be in a neutral shoe, irregardless of foot type. So there's been a few studies done. Back in the day, you know, we used to prescribe footwear based off of the kind of the arch height of the person. If mm-hmm. they're flat foot, they get this shoe. If they're normal foot, they get this shoe. If they're a high arch foot, they get this shoe. Yeah. It's way more complicated than that. And we've kind of found that if you if you follow that strategy, you're, the runner's more likely to get injured. Okay. All right. You know, if, if someone has a knee issue, uh, if you if you if you get a shoe, it, it kind of depends on your foot type and your ankle foot mobility because that impacts this. Uh, but if someone has a knee issue, if they if they if they get a shoe that's more neutral, and if they get a shoe that has a lower offset, which means the heel's not built up as high as the front or your toe mm, region like the of, of the shoe, right? right? If it's more flat, like a Hoka tends to be flat, an Ultra tends to be a zero yeah, yeah. drop shoe. Yeah. Um, a minimus shoe is a z- generally like for New Balance is a is a zero drop shoe. The lower the drop, the, the potential less stress to the knee, but, but it still depends on how that person runs in their form. Yeah. And so sometimes I try to get people to a lower drop shoe if, when I look at their whole body, I think that's appropriate. Okay. I generally like people in a neutral shoe, and you know back in the day I used to put a lot of patients in orthotics little inserts to go mm-hmm. into the shoes yeah, yeah. there's kind of it's kind of funny it, it, it it's very common I, I see runners and they start telling me that they've been told they have very flat feet and then when i look at their feet they're really not that flat mm-hmm. and so there's kind of a belief in the medical community that pe- everyone has a flat foot and mm-hmm. therefore you should wear an insert or you should get this type of a running shoe yeah and in many cases it's really not true and 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 generally my belief is less is more okay so the less that's in the shoe, the better. Okay, so so especially if you're if you're training or you, or you just run often. I mean, the more you run, you think the more neutral of a shoe you should have. Um, I mean, because all the shoes now, like you know, have high drops. You know. Um, yes. And many do. Yeah. Well, not all. Yeah, a, a lot of them do. A lot of you know Nikes do uh, things like that. And and it just I mean it does help propel you forward and maybe like it's great for race yeah. race day, things like that. Um, I have some ultras like right there, um, but I haven't been able to wear them because not you, 
But someone along the line told me like, hey, you know, don't put these back on yet until you're like feeling better um, with 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 my uh, tibia here. So like what should we like balance and say like, OK, some, you know, kind of have a rotation and maybe throw in some some uh, more minimalist type shoes every now and then to help build up because it does build up other muscles, too. Right. Potentially, yes. Okay. Uh, the research needs to substantiate that a little bit better. Okay, um, so I can't. But, you can't go on my research. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's good to have different types of shoes that you don't. You know, it's good to have multiple shoes going on at the yeah. same time. Yep. And it it's good to not to to that not all of them are the exact same shoe. Yeah. You know, I walk uh, generally at work. I wear a minimalist shoe. When I'm when I'm walking and when I'm at work many times, mm-hmm. and I used to run in a minimus shoe, but I, but you have to be careful, right? So mm-hmm. I have a variety of injuries, so I have to I have to kind of be careful what footwear I have. Um, I can wear it for short distance runs, easy runs, but I tend to use them more when I walk. That's just for me. That's what works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have two different styles of shoe when I run. I kind of have one a Nike. That's kind of, that's kind of the the four percent help you run better kind of shoe, yeah, you know, yeah, right? Because yeah. I wanted to kind of see what what that was like, yeah. and it definitely propels me forward yeah, better yeah, when yeah. I wear that shoe, which has a higher offset. Yeah, my calf doesn't get tired at all. Yeah, no. Then, then when I go to my New Balance four degree drop shoes, yeah. I'm going to feel my calf that day. Yeah, because it, it's a lower pitch. Yeah, and it just basically for me, then it's just making sure. Okay, I know I'm going to the shoe this day. I know it's going to make maybe my calf work a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I just need to make sure my calf is ready for that. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm I'm careful what my mileage might be that day. Mm-hmm. I'm careful of my prep, and I might attack the calf a little bit more mm-hmm. um, to make sure it's it's ready for that new environment and extra load compared to my other shoes. If I have a, a foot one day that's kind of bugging me a little bit, I might put myself intentionally in the more higher drop shoe because I know yeah. that I don't need as much ankle mobility for it, and maybe I'm going to be okay. You know, a lot of people are into hokas now, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a very cushioned shoe. Mm-hmm. Whoops. Sorry. I'm glad. No, it's a very cushioned. It's, it's okay. It's okay that the phone dropped. As long as you didn't just fall, we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very cushioned shoe, and so you would think as a runner, well, that's a good thing. It's providing me more cushion. Yeah. Right. You, you, you know, people have a stress fracture. Maybe I should get into more cushioned shoe. Right. But what, what you have seen is is that people adjust their form to the, shoe. to the shoe. And if they do that, what actually happens is is they adjust their form such that their body experiences a higher impact force. Mm-hmm. And so they might get injured more okay. if they adjust their form to accommodate the increased cushion in the shoe. Because even if it's because even if it's subtle, you with that small change you are now um, areas that you weren't ready or don't even know that you're activating are are being affected. And then if you don't go back to another shoe the next day, like because some people will just buy a new shoe um, and then run in it for, you know, put a bunch of miles on it day in, day out um, and not give a chance to maybe ease into it. Because I think a couple people that I know had got some ultras, which are zero drop, you know, like that's like, you might as well, I mean, you're basically walking on the ground barefoot. Um, right. And I'm like, I like those shoes, but my thing was, hey, be careful, you know, run a couple miles in it, and maybe next day go back to your other shoes. 
Yes. Don't just go like, oh, and, and okay, so sometimes six miles isn't that much for certain people, but six miles is too much for you to switch from like um, like a eight or 11 or whatever millimeter drop to a zero. Um, yes. Your calf and, and Achilles are going to be screaming the next day. So Yes. So going to a certain type of shoe like that, you know, we know if you go to a more minimal, minimalist shoe, mm-hmm. we need to make sure you have good ankle mobility. So your calf needs to be what we would consider normal mobility. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to have good motion. Yeah. Your calf needs to be strong because now your calf is going to be working harder. It mm-hmm. needs to be able to handle the demands. Because yeah. sometimes as you go minimalist, you go zero drop, there might be more of a tendency to get on the ball of your foot. Yeah, right. Cause you... because, if, because if you hit your heel, it's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the key is it's, it's the too much, too fast, too soon rule. Whether that's you're changing your mileage from two miles one day, and you're going to go six the next day. Yeah. Uh, or you're changing your footwear, and and that's going to change where what part of the body gets the load. Okay. The body needs time to adapt. And okay. so what you're saying is perfect. Today I'm going to go run one mile in this shoe. Tomorrow I'm going to run a different mileage in a different shoe. Yeah. And then you just gradually increase the mileage in the one shoe appropriately. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the key. Yeah, I have, because um, I have these, kind of like the ones you're talking about, the, the uh, Nike Next Percents. Um, and I wear, I mean, wear them for like race day or whatever. But I um, recently, like coming back, I felt like so, some of the days, like, my legs were just a little, like, my calves were a little beat up or whatever it was. So I'm going to put these on just to, not to run faster today, but just to know, I know that this will help, you know, ease that stress, but I'll be able to get, yes. the, I'll be able to get the miles in. Um, yes. And at this point, that's why I haven't touched the uh, the ultras yet, because I know for sure, like, I will be complaining all day tomorrow if I run today in those. Um, right. So basically... You know, switch it, switch it up. Have some fun with your shoes. Um, you know, you can't put the blame on them, but make sure that you kind of have some variety. Because, like you said, if you're running in the same shoe over and over, that can that be problematic too? It can. I mean, it can be potentially. Yeah. You know, it, it depends on some other factors, but mm-hmm. I mean, I've run in shoes that have a hole in it. <laughs> yeah. And I've been like, I'm fine. So yeah. the key is, no matter what's under, what's on your foot is you need to have good form. Yep. You need to, be able to maintain that form f- through whatever length of your run your run is, yep. right? So a lot of people start breaking down when they get over. I see a lot of people in a clinic who are training for a marathon, training for a half, and, and they start getting into those long runs of 10, 11, 12, higher miles. It depends on the person, mm-hmm. and that's when their body starts breaking down because it can't handle that load. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's a common theme, too much, too fast, too soon. Mileage, change in footwear. Um, You know, I once saw, so someone I know, I I got the minimalist shoes. I'm going to tell you a really dumb story here. I got the minimalist shoes. They were orange. I loved how they looked, right? Uh, And, you know, they were new at the time. They they were kind of a new style shoe. Someone I knew thought they looked pretty cool. They got their own pair. But the mistake they made is is they continued to run at the same mileage they did in their oh. old shoe in the new shoe. Mm. And then I started hearing complaints about, okay, my heel hurts, my oh, heel hurts. It's the shoe. And, and then after a while, I got kind of tired of hearing about this. Mm-hmm. And I squeezed their heel, and they about jumped off the couch. They had a stress fracture. Oh, man. So No good, no so good. 
you know, but, but I, I kind of get it. Like one of uh, one of the reasons why I like look, working with runners is they're highly motivated. Yeah. They want to run. And they, if they get injured, they want to get back to running as fast as yeah. they can. And I love that quality. Yeah. But sometimes that can get them into trouble. Yeah. So, okay. Like, you know, you said um, too soon, too, too much too soon. Um, so when I first tried to come back from this uh, stress fracture, some you know the, uh, somebody just said, "Hey, ease back into it." And my ease back into it was like at the time was like you know three miles Tuesday, you know, or whatever, and three miles Thursday, and six miles on Sunday, whatever. Like, and then eventually within two weeks, I felt I still felt some pain, so I stopped again, and then I that's when I ended up coming to you. Um, and the first time we talked, you're like, "Hey, you know the." really you need to be ramping up so slowly that you possibly won't get to three miles until about four to six weeks out. Um, I didn't, (laughs) I didn't follow those instructions, but but I definitely changed. (laughs) I feel stupid talking about it now, but I feel, but I definitely changed the way that I went into it because, you know, for the first two weeks I didn't get over, it took me two weeks to get to two miles, you know? Um, and then when I got the two miles in, it kind of incrementally went up a little bit from there. But I definitely felt so much better about it. It felt dumb to me to run, you know, just one mile because it just doesn't seem like you're doing anything. Right. But when you told me that you that you know, just because your heart and your lungs can take it doesn't mean that your body can, you know. Um, and that kind of sounds like it goes the same way with these shoes is. You may feel great right now, and you can you can run six miles in any shoe, but you you realize that hey, you know, like this is too much, too fast. So about like training, let's just say we're not injured, right? Um, there's people that have some goals on this on this show or watching this show that you know are running like thirty miles a week right now, and so they're like, you know, I want to run a marathon, so my training plan will now have me at fifty or so miles a week. Um, how should you, how, what, is there like an equation that you can ramp up? Like how, when, when do you, cause some people would just say, Hey, I'm, here's my training plan. Now I'm at 50 miles a week. You know, last week I was at 30, now I'm at 50 and they try to ride that as long as they can. Um, can you talk about like the, how to ramp up in the volume? I can, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you that there is no, there's, there is, it's very, it's a very gray area. Yeah. So I'll just give you an example. There was a study done. I think people, it was a, two groups of people. They were training for a 10K. One group had an uh, eight-week training program. Mm-hmm. Another group had a 13-week training program for the same race, the same distance. Well, obviously, the 13-week group had a little slower progression, right, than mm-hmm. the eight-week group. And so the expectation was that the group that took the longer time, so this is contrary to the advice I just gave you about your stress fracture, mm-hmm. right, to take a little more time. Yeah. The group, the 13-week th- the group, they, they looked at injuries in the two groups, the 8-week group and the 13-week group, and there was no difference in injuries. Hmm. There was the same amount of injuries in the two groups. The only thing that was different between the group two groups is when they got the injury. And so when the two groups got to a certain high mileage, let's say an eight or nine mile run in their training program, Mm -hmm. didn't matter what week it was, that's when they got injured. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, every runner is different. There's a belief that every runner has a certain threshold. They have their own threshold. And when some runners exceed 10 miles a week, they get injured. Yeah. 
Other runners get, can get to 50 miles a week before they get injured. Mm. Uh, and so, it, again, that, that relates to a number of factors. How they train, their alignment, their strength, their balance, and their form, and their footwear. Yeah. How they go about everything. You know, do they prep their body? Do they not prep their body? Do they, yeah. do they, do they incorporate recovery into their program? Yeah. All those things really is the key to, 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 to trying to keep a, a runner healthy. Yeah. But know this, most runners average one to two injuries per year. It's a very common problem. And despite <laughs> like, hold on, wait, changes wait. in shoe technology, I mean, tremendous yeah. changes in shoe technology, tremendous yeah. changes in what we do in rehab and in the medical community. Yeah. The same number of runners are, I mean, more runners are, more runners are getting injured. Mm-hmm. It's a very complicated area, but all, but basically to me, I just break it down to those few things, footwear, strength, mobility, prep, recovery, form, uh, how someone trains. And it's very individualized to the person's body because you might have perfect strength, mm. but maybe you lack a little mobility in your trunk or hips that influences how you move and therefore what parts of your body gets forced. Yeah. Another person will have horrible strength but they'll have great mobility. And so it's just it's 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 just kind of if the runner can kind of figure out what's unique to them and where their weaknesses are and yeah. if they can just spend a little extra time cuz that's really kind of the area right there is you know I, I was on a Zoom call today with a, or, or this week with a runner mm-hmm. and I sent him a list of things to do which is what I do and my 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 bad habit is I send them too many things to do, right? Because I'm yeah. kind of a perfectionist, yeah. so I'm going to probably do the same thing to you. Yeah. And I'm going to recommend all these things that I think you should do to try to get through your injury and get back to running well. Yeah. And he was like, but he was honest, and 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 I get this. This is this is what this is really what it is. He goes, Dave, I don't have the time to do all this. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. and I get that. Uh, and but. If you want to be a healthy runner, you yeah. need to incorporate a little more time into the non-running part. Yeah, I to think to keep you healthy. I think that that's what I mean. That's that's where I believe that you know, I went wrong. Um, I mean, because I was literally I, I I ran at night a lot, so I think that's where the run eat sleep thing came in. Because like I literally run and then eat and then go to sleep. Like it's always at night. Right. Um, so like I. I definitely would sit here all day, work from my on my computer, um, go outside, and I probably would do like a couple calf stretches or something like that, um, and then just run because I felt okay, you know, and everything right. felt fine, you know, and until one day like it did not, you know, um, and then or like if you, uh, I'm sure a lot of runners, maybe I'm the only dummy, but a lot of runners will will go through all these all these runs and week in week out, and then they'll feel one little thing. So then the next few days, they'll stretch that thing or work on that thing. And then when that goes away, something else. But so I definitely agree that, you know, I, I have to figure out how to find, find time to reach my goals as a runner, um, but then also stay as healthy as possible. And some of these things, like I talked to a couple of people on the, on the recovery day on this show that are just like, hey, like find little workouts that you can do, you know, that aren't like some... You know, I got to go to the gym all the time. You could sit and watch TV with your family or whatever, and just sit on the exactly. floor. Sit on the floor and do some of them. You know, like yeah. Yeah. eventually your family will get used to you looking like a weirdo. You know, on the floor, yeah. but you know, and t- you know, until then, at least you'll be a stronger runner. So, um, 
I'm glad that you, you know, that you agree, especially since you see so many athletes that, you know, really it's about the things you do outside of running, right? Many times it is. Sometimes a runner might have an injury while they're running. That's completely unrelated to their running. So I'll give, I'll give you an example. That, might, that went over my head. Yeah, so, someone might have, let's say, a back issue. Okay, right? gotcha, they're, gotcha, they're getting gotcha. pain going into their leg that's coming from their back, yeah. like a sciatica. Yeah. One of the number one issues with that is that person might have a computer job. They're working at a desk. They're sitting all day. When a person sits, the compressive load on your low back, the, the kind of the squishing force of mm-hmm. you, like let's say your disc. Yeah. When you sit, there are three people sitting on your shoulders. That's the stress on your back. You just you know, made my back. Look, you just made my back what? hurt. You just made my back hurt. Like listening to you I say know. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they've had three people sitting on their shoulders all day. Yeah. Eventually, over time, and, and depending on other things, their back starts breaking down. Yeah. And they start getting symptoms from that, and then that starts impairing their ability to run. Okay. If they change how they work, if they mix sitting and standing, if they move more, if they work on their hip mobility, work mm-hmm. on their core strength, they can get that back condition you know, improved, yeah. and then their running gets better. So, um, so Sometimes the issue is, is completely unrelated to the running. Yeah, it makes I mean, it It's makes related sense. to what they do when they're not running. I mean, because that's the thing, like, we, th- we forget that, like, sitting is, ter- like, all day is terrible for us, you know? And then we just we feel like the running makes it all better, but if you don't do the proper, you know, mobility and stretching or you know whatever decompression, because like you said, you know, this is the 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 act of sitting is like a the act of compression, right? And if you don't like yep. figure out what to do to decompress that before you get out there, you're, you're running around like a like a in a sardine can, you know, um, right. and then wonder why your legs are are killing you. Um, when, so when a person stands up from sitting. The three people disappear. So what? So what? Do you, like, is there like st- certain stretches or something like that? Like, cause I mean, I sit all day. Like now, you have me like worried right now. Like, what can I do? Yeah. So it, it's kind of part of it is how you sit and how long you sit. Okay. And so the more, it, so if, if you want to do this, put your hands on your pelvis while you're sitting there. Yeah. And I want you to slouch. Slouch. Like all the way. Can you feel? Well, kind of, kind of like slouch. I don't know if you can see like this. So kind of, kind of, just sink. Don't oh, okay. lean forward. Okay. Just kind of sink. Yep, yep. And tell me if you can feel your pelvis roll backward when you sink. Get tall. Yep. Your yep. pelvis will roll forward. Yep, yep. When you sink, pelvis will roll backward. Yep, yep. And so it's like taking a jelly donut. That's what your disc is, <laughs> and it's like squishing. One the front part of your jelly donut, it pushes the jelly the other way. Yeah, and that's what that's what a disc bulge is. That's what a disc herniation is. And so, over time, and depending on what else you do during the day, yeah. that if that force is constant on that jelly donut and it keeps pushing the jelly backward, eventually, <laughs> what holds the jelly in breaks down and the jelly starts escaping, right. and then person starts getting a pain down their leg. It's related in part. To their sitting, their duration, and the position, mm-hmm. and so you know we want we want people tall when they sit. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, if someone just keeps sitting with their pelvis kind of rotated back all the time, yeah, that changes the muscle length of your hip flexors and your hamstrings, which now influences your running posture and your running form. And so, a runner might now either mm-hmm. lean forward too much. Or something else might happen with their form because 
for 10 hours a day, they kept their back and their pelvis in a certain position. It adapts to that position. Things get tight. Things get loop, you know, more stretched on the opposite side. Mm. Things get weak because you don't use your core when you're in a kind of a slouch position at all. And then that influences how you move when you get up. All right. right. If you're sitting with one leg crossed, this is super common. You're sitting with one leg crossed. Yeah. And people have a favorite leg. And people put their leg in different positions. That will influence how your hip now moves. And then when you get up and walk and you get up and run, your leg will move. You won't, the person's not going to know. But we can see that now when that person runs, their foot turns out more. Because when they sit all day on their computer in meetings, they got that leg crossed more times than not. When they're home watching TV or on their computer, they got the leg crossed. That changes their foot angle. That now exposes their foot and their knee to more stress. And they put in a 50-mile-a-week mileage that week, they can get a problem. So what you do, it's not just about what people do when they're running. It's not really about... You know, so much the footwear. Much of it is what people do when they're not running, and then are they doing the extra stuff to keep them moving right? It's all yeah. about moving right. That that keeps load down um, to help them be a healthier runner. I tell you what, man. I will never sit the same. I will never sit the same again. I'll, I don't <laughs> know. Forever. Every time I go to sit down, I'll be thinking, okay, what am I gonna do here? Here. Um, but yeah, that that makes total sense. And I do slouch a bit, so I need to figure this out. Um, so question for you. And you know, no, go ahead. Yep. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So no, qu- you go ahead. question. So, um, what, what are your thoughts for a runner in yoga? Like, cause I know you said something about mobility, um, and strength at the same time. Um, I mean, I'm not talking about like overdoing it here, but like if you're, if you're trying to work on flexibility, but then also mobility and strength too. What is yes. that a good way to go? Yeah, I mean, I like yoga. It combines kind of three things stability, mobility, and the strength. There's a component, each of those components is kind of built into the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, obviously, there's a there's a there's a mind component to yoga, yeah. too. Yeah, good. You know, it, you know, someone could even think of yoga as a recovery thing. Yeah, and so I like yoga. I mean, whatever a person's method is to motivate them to work on those components, whether that's yoga or they're going to do something at home on their own, Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I've been – so I'm glad you said that you were okay with it because I've been doing yoga for like the last – like two weeks maybe. Like in the house, I just go on YouTube and find different ones. And I've I've already seen that because, you know, my hamstring – Flex or stretching is like terrible. Like my hamstrings are short as heck or whatever. And based on what you're telling me, it's uh my my uh, hamstrings are unflexible because I've been slouched all day and my yes. jelly donuts all messed up. And so basically, <laughs> but lately I think I've been trying to I've been fixing the jelly donut, you know, doing yoga and all that stuff. But um, so yeah, so I'll keep doing that and then I can't wait to see like the things that you come back with. I'll add that in. I'm gonna go crazy. Yeah, my wife might not like the fact that I'll be like <laughs> in like prehab mode all day, but at least I'll be a happy <laughs> I'll be a happy runner. You know, she's watching this, so she's probably like, "I'm gonna kill him." But um, yeah, so I, I do appreciate all the tips, though. You're welcome, and uh, it's important to be a ha- happy runner. Yeah, happy runner, but then a happy person. So make sure it's balanced and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, a lot of people just don't have time, and you know, work and family are huge parts of this. So, 
um, I'm glad that, you know, and I know some of the workouts you, you sent me before are just simple things that we all can do while spending time with the family yeah. um, or wake up a little earlier to handle it. But um, thanks so much for your time, man. Um, and if anybody, if anybody wants to find you, um, where can they find you? Like, how do they get to you if they've got issues and they just want to, you know, get a, a diagnosis or whatever? So they can contact me at Center for Athletic Medicine, Pistons Performance Center, um, which is uh, downtown in Detroit uh, in the New Center area. They can just uh, get in touch with me there. And then if yeah, and if you guys need help getting in touch with them, you know I, I've got I've got the bat phone. So if you need anything, just let me know, and I'll I'll shoot uh, Doctor Doctor Tomsich uh, a message uh, on your behalf. I'd be happy to do so. But you know, thanks so much, Doctor. Um, it's uh, this show is all about recovery, and you pretty much covered all that. And I love the fact that you talked about other elements that you know, like that we just don't think about, you know, and everybody, mostly everybody on this call is not a professional runner. So we do have jobs where we have to sit down or stand up or walk around. Right. So I, I sincerely appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Um, and to all of you guys watching, please run, eat, sleep, and repeat. Thanks, man. Have a great night, Thomas. You too. Man, I sincerely hope that you were taking notes. Uh, this was amazing. Um, great talk. I think I feel like he could have gone on for much longer than that. Um, maybe I need to start doing these episodes just as podcasts and forgetting the whole video thing because we have a timer on, on Instagram. But yeah, check the show out on Instagram. That's at Chip Time Running. Um, that's on Instagram at Chip Time Running. Um, that we host the show live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, if you follow Chip Time Running on Instagram, you'll be able to get the updates and know who's coming on next and know what time the lives will happen. You can actually get some questions in, too. So um, make sure you're doing that. And also, if you just miss it, you can always come here or either vice versa. So um, love you guys. Make sure you remember a couple of things. Um, run smart, eat healthy, sleep well, and recover and repeat with consistency as much as possible.